Good morning. How's everybody doing? My name is Drew Phillips. If you're new here today, I'm the associate pastor here at Calvary, and we are glad that you are here um, this morning. We are in the middle of a three-week series uh, where we're taking a look at the Holy Spirit. And one of the things that we do here at Calvary is every six months, a group of us leaders go away and we plan out the next six months of our sermon series. And one of the lenses that we try to look through when we're doing that is what are the things that are going to help us grow, not only in our own spiritual lives personally, but what's going to help us grow corporately? And are there some categories or some areas of following Jesus that maybe are a little bit confusing or difficult to understand? And is there an opportunity for us to step into those spaces and hopefully bring some clarity? And that's what our hope is through this series, is that when we have conversations with people, and even in our own lives as pastors, there's an area and a mystery around who the Holy Spirit is and how the Holy Spirit moves and works in our lives and in the world around us. And so last week, Daniel spent a little bit of time, our lead pastor, talking about who the Holy Spirit is. What's the role? What are some common misconceptions? And how can we experience His presence in our lives a little bit more? This week, I'm going to have the opportunity to talk about how the Spirit moves. And just as a disclaimer, this is not going to be an exhaustive list. I'm not going to cover everything. You guys don't want to be here till 3 o'clock this afternoon. And honestly, I don't have that much material to give anyways. But we're going to talk a little bit about how the Spirit moves and what we can expect when the Spirit comes. So, to set that up a little bit. I'd like to go to 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 16. If you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn there. We are actually going to cover quite a bit of Scripture today, and so either get your fingers ready or you can rest and relax. They will be on the screen as well. But we are going to start in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verses, verse 16. And this uh, 1 Corinthians is a letter that was written by the Apostle Paul to the church in Corinth, which he started. And he is giving them advice on how to follow Jesus and, and how, um, how best to do that. So this is some of Paul's advice to the church in Corinth and to us today. 1 Corinthians 3.16 Don't you yourselves know that you are God's temple and that the Spirit of God lives in you? Don't you know that you are God's temple and the Spirit of God lives in you? If we go back through the library of Scripture, we see the, in the Old Testament that the Spirit would dwell in the temple. And specifically, the Spirit was in the Holy of Holies. And the way that the Spirit would move in the Old Testament prior to Jesus' coming is the Spirit would move at certain times in certain people. We see this in the life of Moses, in the life of Joshua, which our kids are learning about today, in the life of David, and also in the life of certain prophets like Ezekiel, where the Spirit would come and would fill a person and they would prophesy or speak on God's behalf to God's people. But then, Jesus comes into the world, lives a perfect life, shows us the best way to live, pays a price we couldn't pay on a cross, raises from the dead, ascends into heaven, and when He does that, the Spirit comes down. And if you are a follower of Jesus... We now have the presence of God with us. And before we talk about how the Spirit moves, I think it's important for us to have an anchor to understand that the Spirit of God dwells with us. 
that the Spirit of God lives in us. Just as the Spirit dwelt in the temple, if you are a follower of Jesus, the Spirit of God dwells in you. And we can rest in that knowledge. We can trust that the Spirit is with us. And this happened at Pentecost. So again, Jesus goes up, says, hey, the Spirit of God will come, and the Spirit comes at Pentecost, which is 50 days after Easter, which is why Penta, 50 days after Easter, the Holy Spirit comes, and then we are going to look at the power that we receive because of that Spirit in our lives. Now, why is this important? Why is it important for us to anchor ourselves in the fact that the Spirit dwells within us? I think it's important because spiritual growth or maturity or transformation is a word we use around here a lot, is the process by which we submit our spirit and our will to God's spirit and to God's will so that his spirit can guide, help, and empower us. To guide, to help, and to empower And we're going to take a look at each one of those this morning. But if we are going to grow up to the people who God has created us to be, that maturation process is us submitting our spirit and our will to God's spirit and allowing the things that we want and desire to change into what God desires for us in order to be the person that he has created us to be. And so we're going to take a look at that a little bit this morning. When I was younger, I had an opportunity uh, throughout the summer to go to a church camp. It's south, it's just south of India. It's called Camp Allendale. And I grew up going there every summer. And there were times I would go as a uh, camper. There were also times that I would go um, with my mom. So my mom was the camp nurse for several weeks. And when I got to go with my mom, it was awesome because I didn't have to follow any of the rules as a camper. I got to go and do what I wanted to do when I wanted to do it. I got to explore this beautiful campground when I wanted to. And so through those times, this happened often, and so through those times, I learned the trails through the woods. I understood where to go, and even at night, I could navigate my way around in the dark because of how many times I had walked those trails on my own. Now, if you know anything about me now, this gift and talent that I had then has since left me. And if you go on a hike with me, make sure you have a compass because more than likely I'm going to get lost. But at this time, I knew these woods really well. And there was one time that I was a camper that my experience in the woods really uh, came to be a huge blessing because we were playing an epic game of capture the flag. And so I knew the best place to hide the flag But I also knew how to navigate through without a flashlight so we could move around unseen. And I was able to guide my group to where we we needed to go and for us to find success. When we're on a spiritual journey, it's helpful to have a guide. Just like when we're navigating a trail or where we're walking, the spiritual, our spiritual life, our spiritual journey, a guide to help us was God's plan for us to be where we're supposed to be and to walk along the path that we are supposed to walk upon. Now again, in that moment, I'm no Holy Spirit, but the Holy Spirit now comes in and allows us and helps us to guide us into truth. One of the Holy Spirit's primary things that he does, he guides us into truth. I'd like to take a look at John chapter 16, verses 13 through 15. If you want to turn there real quick. John 16, 
verses 13 through 15. This is a little bit of a continuation where Daniel was last week. This is Jesus speaking to his disciples. He says, When the Spirit of truth comes, He will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on His own, but He will speak whatever He hears. He will also declare to you what is to come. He will glorify Me, because He will take what is Mine and declare it to you. Everything the Father has is Mine. That is why I told you that he takes from what is mine and will declare it to you. The main point that Jesus is trying to let his disciples know and to let us know today is that when the Spirit guides us, he guides us into all truth. And he does this not by speaking on his own, but speaking what he hears the Father say. So we talked about how the Trinity is in alignment with each other and the Spirit's role is not to speak on his own, but to speak the truth that he hears from the Father, which is ultimately going to glorify Jesus. We live in a world today that is trying its best to confuse us on what we're doing. We have an enemy who wants to lie about who we are, to confuse us. We have a, our flesh that is naturally drawn to things that are not of God. And God didn't desire just to leave us there, but gave us the Spirit to guide us into truth. And in a day and time right now where truths can sometimes be confused, we have a guide to guide, it, to guide us into what God says is true about us. That as followers of Jesus, we are sons and daughters of the King. And because we are sons and daughters of the King, we are saints, we can see our identity in that. And not be confused by everything that the world is trying to tell us who we are, what we should do, and how we should live. One of my favorite authors and pastors, his name is John Mark Comer. And so he has a book called Live No Lies. And I love this quote when he talks about this thing. Because this strategy, this idea of trying to lie to us is not a new strategy. This idea of trying to deceive and confuse what truth is has been the enemy's key strategy since the time in the garden. The thing that the serpent said to Adam and to Eve is, do you really believe what God said is true? Can you trust his word because maybe it's going to be like this this is a strategy that is ancient it's not new and i love how john mark comer talks about it. he says this it's by the spirit and truth that we are transformed into the image of jesus but the reciprocal is also true it's by isolation and lies that we are deformed into the image of the devil that's pretty powerful language but the enemy's scheme is to distort truth, distort the truth of who we are, and to get us into isolation so that then we struggle to figure out who we are. God's strategy was to give us the Holy Spirit, but also to give us community with each other to experience that. That's why gathering together on Sunday morning with the saints, with believers as a church family is powerful and important for us to prioritize. That's why being in a smaller group where people can know you and you can get to know God is so transformative because what God wants to do is isolate us. I'm sorry, what the enemy wants to do is isolate us. What God wants to do is to bring us together. What the enemy wants to do is he wants to lie to us, but what God wants to do is to speak truth 
And that's what his spirit does. It guides us into truth. For context here a little bit, as Jesus is talking to his disciples, right before that, in verse 7, he says he's going to be leaving them soon, but it's for their benefit. He's going to be leaving them soon, but it's for their benefit. And put yourselves in the disciples' shoes. The disciples' shoes at this point. So here they've encountered this man who they believe is the Messiah, who they've seen and heard powerful teaching. He has radically changed the direction of their life. He's given their life meaning. He's given their life value. He's seen, they've seen him do miracle to change other people's lives. And now he's saying, it's better that I leave. It is for your benefit that I leave so that the counselor can come. And they are confused. They don't understand, what do you mean by this? And the reason for it is this. Jesus, even though he was fully God, was also fully man. And he was confined to a certain place and a certain time and a certain space. So for him and his ministry, he was able to profoundly impact three. He was able to have a good impact on 12 and have a general impact on about 120. But he knew that when he left and the Spirit came and filled those who followed him, that he would change the game from a game of addition to a game of multiplication. And that the Spirit of God can come in and indwell, and the same Spirit who was, that was in him, the Spirit of God could come in, and then, then now we can multiply the impact that we have in this kingdom for his Father's glory and for the betterment of others. So Jesus said, it is for your betterment that the counselor is going to come. Another way we see the Spirit move is how he helps us when we don't know what to pray. Or maybe when we don't know how to pray. Have you ever been there before? Have you ever been in that place where you've been praying for something for a long time? And you've lost or got to the place where you don't know what words to put to it anymore. Or maybe it's a particular situation that when you pray about it, the emotion that rises up in you brings you to a place that you can't put together a cognitive sentence that makes sense. Or maybe you're confused on how to pray. God, should I pray in this direction for this? Or should I pray in this direction for this? I don't know, but I'm trying to figure out, God, how do, you want to inter- how do you want me to interact? How do you want me to pray for this? And this is where the Spirit of God comes in and helps us. We see in Romans chapter 8 is where I'd like to go next. Romans chapter 8, verses 26 and 27. Again, Apostle Paul writing to another church which he planted in Rome. And when he's talking about how the Spirit helps us in prayer, this is what he says. In the same way, the Spirit also helps us in our weakness. Let's just pause there for a second. The Spirit helps us in our weakness. So in that area of your life right now where you're feeling particularly weak, this is where the Spirit can come in and help. Because we do not know what to pray for as we should, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with inexpressible groanings. And he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit because he intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. Now, we don't use this word intercedes a whole lot, but it, really, it literally means standing in the gap for, praying on behalf. And so for us, 
when we don't know when to pray, maybe we're so emotional, maybe we're so confused, we don't know how to pray. The Spirit is interceding to the Father on our behalf to align our spirit and our will with God's will. When I've taught on this passage before, I've used this quote by Richard Foster, so I wanted to share it again today because I think he does such a great job of helping us understand. This is from his book on prayer. He does such a great job of helping us understand the role that the Spirit plays here. So Richard Foster puts it like this. The Holy Spirit of God, the third member of the Trinity, so that's who he is, himself accompanies us in our prayer. When we stumble over words, the Spirit straightens out the syntax. When we pray with muddy motives, the Spirit purifies the stream. When we see through a glass darkly, the Spirit adjusts and focuses what we are asking until it corresponds with the will of God. The point is that we don't have to have everything perfect when we pray. Let me read that one more time. The point is, we do not have to have everything perfect when we pray. The Spirit reshapes, refines, reinterprets our feeble, ego-driven prayers And we can rest in the work of the Spirit on our behalf. We can rest in the Spirit's work on our behalf. This is good news for me. I don't know how that lands for you. But it means that I can rest. It means that I don't have to carry it. It means that I don't have to control it. It means that I don't have to manipulate anything but that I can rest and that when I come to God in prayer, not knowing how to pray or what to pray for, or even if I'm having a bad day and my prayers are a little bit more ego-driven and more about me and not enough about others, that the Spirit on my behalf is interceding to the Father in order that my prayers would align with the will of God. And we can rest in that. So I don't know where you are in your prayer life right now. I don't know what you're carrying I don't know what your, the burdens that you're bearing right now, but just know it is not something that you have to carry on your own. It's not something that you have to get perfect, but it's something that we can rest in the Spirit's work on our behalf. So the Spirit guides us in the truth. The Spirit helps us when we don't know how to pray. And finally, the third thing I'd like to talk about is the Spirit gives us power. The Spirit gives us power. Daniel talked about this a little bit last week. We looked at Acts 1.8 and Acts 1.8 says, but when you receive power, when the Holy Spirit has come on you, you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. That word power, when, the, when Jesus tells the disciples when this power comes on you, that's the word we get for the word dynamite. It's a transformative power. I also like how Paul says it in 1 Corinthians. So let's go back to 1 Corinthians. We're going to be in chapter 12, verses 7 through 11. 1 Corinthians 12, 7 through 11. A manifestation of the Spirit has been given to each person for the common good. To one is given a message of wisdom through the Spirit. To another, a message of knowledge by the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, the gifts of healing by the one Spirit. To another, performing of miracles. To another, prophecy. To another, the the distinguishing of spirits. 
to another different kinds of tongues, to another the interpretation of tongues. One and the same Spirit is active in all of these, distributing to each person as He wills. So in this whole list, we get a whole list of different gifts and powers and abilities that come from the Spirit, the same Spirit, the Spirit of God, for the common good. And I want to talk about that here in just a moment. But first, I want to go back to this power, the power that Jesus is talking about when the Holy Spirit comes on our life. And why do we get this Spirit? What are this power from the Spirit? The reason we get this power is so that we can bear witness to Jesus in his kingdom in the world around us. That's what Jesus means when he says, you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. If we break that down, Jerusalem, that's where they were at. That was the main hub. That was their neighborhood. To Judea and Samaria, this is to the neighboring areas, but then Samaria would have been, they would have heard that as their enemies, the people who were different than them. And then to the ends of the earth. And that's what the Spirit has come to do, is to help us, to give us power to be witnesses to who Jesus is and the power of his kingdom around us. How does he do that? That happens through us being who he has created us to be. And for some of us, that means overcome, sorry, for all of us, that means overcoming those sins or those struggles that we have in our life in order to bear witness to the power of his kingdom. Now, for some of us, the healing and the overcoming of that sin can be an instantaneous thing. That transformation process can be an instantaneous thing that through the power of the Spirit, it just happens. But for most of us, this is going to be a long obedience in the same direction. That for us to be who God has created us to be, for us to overcome the things in our life, is going to be a long process of transformation. A long process of us, of us submitting our will to the, spirit, to the Spirit's will and for that transformation power to work in our life. And some of these sins that we carry may not be our fault. Maybe these things that you need to overcome are because of family patterns or family history. Maybe there's been a specific trauma that has happened in your life. Or maybe it's just something that you were predisposed to. And we have a part to play. This is why we talk about spiritual disciplines and spiritual practices. There is a way that we can discipline ourselves to discipline our lives, to do things in order to align the things that we do in the way that we think with the teachings and the person of Jesus. But the reality is for us to truly be who that is, we need the Spirit to come in and do a work that we can't do on our own. So for example, maybe for you, you grew up in a home where money was really tight where you had to count every penny, where you had to make sure that every penny that you spent was going to the right place. And maybe sometimes you had to pick which bills you were going to pay, which bills you were not going to pay. And you saw your parents struggle with finances. And so now you're on your own and you may not have that same struggle financially, but the, the, the greed that is in your heart or the worry that you have around money for you to become a generous person may be something that the Spirit has to come in and do over time. Because the way that you grew up, you saw it very differently. Maybe for you, just the, your predisposition to worry. For you to be someone who is a trustful, peaceful person. 
There are things that we can do to be more, to trust, to try to trust God more. But to fully do that, we need the Spirit of God to come in and to transform us. This is how the Spirit helps us bear witness to God's kingdom and to God's power. In Paul's letter to the Corinthians that we read, we see that the Spirit, through the Spirit, we receive gifts and certain types of powers for the common good. Now, over the years, these verses and others like them have been debated and discussed on these roles and the gifts and the powers and how they play out in the church body. And my goal today is not to add or detract from that discussion, but what I'd like to do is recognize the purpose behind the power of the gifts. Do you remember what we read about the Holy Spirit earlier? That the Holy Spirit didn't speak on His behalf, but the Holy Spirit only spoke what He heard the Father say. That the Holy Spirit's work was for our benefit. So the whole role, the whole ministry of the Holy Spirit is not for the Holy Spirit's glory, but it was for the Father's glory and for our benefit. It is others-focused. And I think a lot of times when we read over these passages and we read over these gifts and these um, powers that we can get through the Spirit, we desire to have them, but sometimes our motives are muddied and we want those because they make us look holy. They make us look better than others. We wouldn't say that out loud, but probably deep in our heart there's a little bit of that that's there. But God's purpose for His Spirit and the purpose of giving us these powers and these gifts is for the common good and for us to act as if the Spirit acts on the behalf of others. If we were to continue to read in chapter 12, we would see that after he gives a listing of these gifts, he talks about the different roles that we have in the church. And he compares it to that of a body. That some of us are the arm, some of us are the hand, some of us are the feet, some of us are the eyes. And this is for the benefit of others. And each of us have our specific role that contributes to the overall body. And without one part of it, the entirety of the body would be not at the best that it could be. And then after that, he continues and he lists some more gifts that we can receive from the Spirit. But says at the end, we should desire the greater gifts. And do you know what the greater gifts are? Hope, faith, and love. And the greatest of those is love. So the Holy Spirit's primary role is to make us loving people. The thing that we should desire to be is to be a people of love. In a world that is tearing each other apart, we desire to be a place where hope and love is found. These should be what we desire because it doesn't make most of us but it makes most of others for the benefit of others and for the common good. This is the ministry and the work of the Holy Spirit. This is how we bear witness to Jesus and his kingdom, is when we, with our lives, desire to glorify God and to love others. Jesus talks about those being the two greatest commandments, to love the Lord your God and to love others. The Spirit helps us in that. The Spirit gives us power to do that. So my hope as we move and finish up this morning, my hope is that we, as we think about the Holy Spirit, that some categories, some buckets that we have when we think about how the Holy Spirit works is the Holy Spirit comes to guide us into truth. The Holy Spirit comes to help us when we don't know what to pray. 
And the Holy Spirit comes in to give us power and gifts that for the church body can be for the glory of God and for the benefit of others. Brings us to our daily training. And a daily training is going to be a little bit different this week. I do think that there is power. As we said earlier, the enemy is trying to isolate us. So this is my attempt to bring us together throughout the week. So what I want everyone to do is take your phone out. If you're already out on it, you're good. Great. Check your text message. I'm sure it buzzed once or twice. The freedom to do that. But what I ultimately want you to do is I want you to get, go to your alarms. So go and set an alarm. I want you to set an alarm for 11.45. And every day this week at 11.45, when your phone dings, buzzes, puts an alarm, I want us to pause and pray, asking the Holy Spirit to empower us to bear witness to Jesus and his kingdom for the remainder of the day. So today at 11.45, I think we've got 45 minutes till that happens if my watch changed times. Your phone's going to buzz in your pocket. Maybe your watch is going to go off on your wrist. And what I hope happens in that is that one, you do pause 10 seconds and just pray. Spirit, come. But know that you are not praying that alone. But there are members of your church family whose phone is buzzing at the exact same time. And they are pausing whatever they're doing to pray, to ask the Holy Spirit to give them the power to bear witness to who Jesus is and to his kingdom for the remainder of their day. Now, just a little bit of a forewarning. You will be surprised of what, when that goes off in your day and what you're going to see is more important. Let me challenge you wherever you are at to pause for at least 10 seconds and to say, Holy Spirit, come and help me be who you've created me to be to bear witness to your kingdom for the remainder of my day. That takes five seconds. And know that as a church family, we are doing this together because our desire is to see the Spirit move and for us to change and to bring glory to Jesus and His kingdom. So this week, pray that prayer with us. Allow the Holy Spirit to move in your life and know that we are doing that as a church family. You're not doing that in isolation. As He guides us in the truth, helps us when we pray, and empowers us to bring Him glory. Let's pray right now. Father God, we love you. Thank you for your patience with us, Lord. Father, we rest that we, we know that we can't understand that there is a mystery to faith in you. There is a mystery to these different areas in our life. And we are trusting you with some of those areas that we cannot understand. But Father, I believe that you, through your Spirit, in the words of Scripture, have made some aspects of following you very clear. So we thank you for sending your spirit to us. We, thankful, we are thankful that we can rest in him. And I pray as we go this week, Father, that we would trust that he is guiding us into all truth. That when the enemy speaks lies into our ears or whispers them to us, Lord, that we would shout back with the truth that we find in your word. 
And that, Father, when we do not know what to pray, Lord, that we would rest in the fact that you are that your spirit is working on our behalf to align our will with your will. And that, Father, that we would recognize the gifts of the spirit that you have given us, but that we would do that for the common good of our church family and to your kingdom and to bring you glory. And that, Father, as 1145 a.m. hits this week, Lord, that we would recognize that we would be diligent, that we would stop and pause and pray and ask your Spirit to come in and do only the work that he can do in our lives. And our posture, Lord, is just to submit that to you and to trust you with it. We love you. We trust you. Thank you for Jesus. In his name we pray. Amen.